Hello, my name is Steve Salaman. I'm one of the lead developers of the new Habitat Project, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Scene World. This is the intro. He's him. I'm here. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So, in a yes. minute. Yes, in a minute. Who are, we, who are we talking to? I'll let you get this one out because because you were the one doing the interview and I yes, did not, yes, I was yes. on adventure, so, so I didn't get to go. So, um, so a couple of months ago, we spoke to Richard Knuckles and spoke about arcade repair and restoring. Mm. And um, now I talk to Valerio Canone, and we talk about the European side of um, arcade repair. Um, he was introduced to me by a presentation he did about arcade repair um, at the Four Amusement Only Museum and Pinball thing. So we will link to that. I guess because yes. the presentation is in English, even okay, though yes. the introduction is in German, and um, so he's a friend of um, Peter Smets, aka Frankie, yeah. that um, is also known in the demo scene for being mostly the Commodore sixty four or retro combo organizer and doing stuff with scene set. So, and yeah, he is a friend of Valerio Canone. So we spoke um, about that topic of arcade repair, but from the European standpoint. Yeah, so that's cool. quite interesting. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. So, news. Well, I got some. Okay, uh, well, there, tell us. There is an arcade. Well, not arcade. Let's say... Uh, Walter Day is known for his high score preserving. Walter arcade. Day is known for being Walter Day. Is yeah, exactly. What he's being known for. Yeah. So he is one of the founders of Twin Galaxies, and he was the one that got the idea to keep all the scores. And as a side project, he also did those trading cards. And, um, and now there's a Kickstarter for a book. With all the trading cards. Okay. Yep. So there is that. Very cool. Yep. And it's still going on for some days, so I hope it will be in time when you listen to this. Um, also, the store IM8Bit released a limited edition, about 2,000 units, about Earthworm Jim. And I, for once, decided not to buy it because... Huh. One hundred thirty-four dollars for a reproduction unit. Uh, not so sure. I want that. Only seeing that just the color of the um, cartridge case is different. I'm not sure if I want that. If I need that, actually. So that's <laughs> the first time I decided not to go for it. It's just too expensive. Right. Uh, and yeah, uh, and the problem is, as we all know, at the beginning of this year they closed all their business in UK. So it's all coming with 
with, with DHL Express from the American border. That means last time I had to pay 60 euros just at customs and shipping and all that stuff. All right. And I'm not going to pay a 100, uh, $200 for a video game. Huh. No chance. I'm doing that. So I'm out of there. I have to admit the <laughs> last experience wasn't too nice. And um, yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm not going for that anymore. Yes. Um, oh, yes. I also got some news from the demo scene oh. from uh, Barracuda, who is known to be the founder of the stock in the demo scene. And he said that the C64 portal C64.ch, so Switzerland, is looking for people to support with uploads. Okay. And um, as we all know how wonderful CSDB is and became over the past years, it's always good to support other databases. So, guys, support them with uploads, I would say. Yeah. 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 I remember you wrote an article about it for the, mag for the disk magazine and yes. nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody cared at all. Changed nothing. Changed nothing. Right. Um, so that is that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um... Nick Vivid, who we talked about, uh, with, we mentioned his album. It's out. It's for sale. You can buy it. It is yeah. awesome. I bought the cassette. So yes. I'm still waiting for the postal service to deliver it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So that that's awesome. We'll put a link in the description so everyone can go check it out. It's getting great reviews, apparently. So, I yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, well, let's yes. see. There are. I've got a. Um, there's yeah. a project that I just learned about. It's called the Backbit SD cartridge. And what Never it is, okay. it is a. Um, it's just a cartridge that you put an SD card into and you pop it in your, your cartridge port and it loads the, whatever you've got on there. And at the moment, it, it handles uh, D64, CRT, PRG, BBS, T64, and wow. poo file types. I know it's P00, but I like to say poo. Okay. Um, but it, you, can, you can find out information about that at backbit.io. Wow. So yeah. So that's interesting. That's I guess that's a um, alternative to the SD to IEC um, deals that a lot of people are using, which are cool, but they they suffer from a little bit of compatibility issues, which is not to not unusual. So, hmm. and a cheaper alternative probably to uh, to the. Um, 1541 Ultimate Plus 2 Plus whatever. And there's another thing. There is a new game on Kickstarter. Paler pa Parallelexian. Yes. Parallelexian. 
Yeah. Is um, a shoot and bomb them up game for the Commodore 64. Yeah. And a stun stunning next generation one I've read. 18 days to go as we record this, so be quick. <laughs> I guess well, then. that would be that would be all the news. That's pretty. That's a pretty bitchin' quick uh, intro right there. We just did. Well, and also. We should mention <laughs> that uh, We Shoot R is out. And oh, yes. Today, today in the evening. You mean, you mean, what, actually, what, what, what's it called again? We Shoot We Shooter. <laughs> um, okay. So That's enjoy the interview works. with Valerio. Yes, yes indeed. So today I'm talking to Valerio Canone. Hello. Welcome to the Hi, show. good evening. <laughs> so. We are talking today because you are basically known for doing arcade repair and um, and you are actually from Italy, so you are doing the Euro European side of arcade repair, um, which I would say is quite rare nowadays, at least in Germany. There is definitely a case, uh, although I'm not doing this uh, professionally. Because professionally I'm uh, in a hardware developer, but in the spare time, you know, for me and for a couple of friends. So since I've been doing um, uh, hardware design for more than 20 years now, um, hardware repair is kind of uh, the easy thing for me. So, really? You know, okay. Nice. It's relaxing, uh, I would say. That you get to spend a lot of time. On, on a problem that needs to be um, fixed and actually found out. And you get to do this completely alone, total silence, uh, you know, what you typically don't have uh, in your home because there's everybody talking and blah. Okay. So, so how did that start? How did you get into electronics and finally hardware developer? Um, you know, that is... Um, um, basically, since I was born, because my father had the, had the great idea of uh, seeing that I was actually interested in electronics myself, and he um, basically gave me a Commodore 64, a floppy drive. That started everything. And I've been um, coding almost immediately in assembly, because every source you could find back then uh, said, yeah, basic kids now go. And uh, then I got to school, uh, to the to high school uh, with electronics, uh, and yeah, I am half programmer and half designer. Which is so interesting, because most people I know only do one thing, either programming or hardware de developing. I only know a few people who do actually both. They're, well, to... Uh, to the defense of uh, what your knowledge is about this. I don't program very often, so I probably if I would post my source code, people would say, hey, who is this guy? He's better leave this place. Uh, we don't want him on GitHub. <laughs> and stuff like that. But okay. as soon as the code works, uh, that's good. Okay, so you started off with the Commodore 64. But yes. how did you get into, um, as I said, arcade repair as a hobby and all that stuff. I mean, that's a totally different game, basically. Well, Commodore 64, 
was not 100% about gaming, but, but most of the people used it for gaming. Uh, and guess what? Uh, since I was a kid, I fell in love with uh, uh, the arcade machines that were present at my local arcade alley. Um, basically, um, just crossing the street. So I've spent a lot of quarters, and I always said to me, I want to own one of these things. Um, the Commodore 64 was not only about gaming. Well, it had a keyboard, so it was kind of tickling you into trying yourself uh, to program. And uh, how did that lead to fix arcade cabinets? Because um, the arcade alley was just in front of my house. I just had to walk. And I spent a lot of quarters there. And of course, uh, as every kid, um, they wished to create their own game once they've been playing it so much. Of course, I wasn't able to program games uh, because that's very demanding task. But that taught me how to program. And um, later, when I had enough uh, experience and money, I could actually afford my first cabinet. Uh, and I started picking boards off eBay. Okay. Good old Gemma boards. Yes, old Gemma boards. Okay. And, also, um, bootleg. Ah, famous bootleg. Because of cost reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I figured a big problem over here, at least, is that you can barely find people who can fix CRTs because of the high voltage problem and all that stuff? That's quite true. Um, when, I got up, when I got up to school, out of school, uh, actually my first job was uh, um, one and a half year at the TV repair shop. So I went through the whole thing. I wouldn't be able to repair a TV nowadays because you know, Parts are not available anymore. You can try your best, but um, chances are you're going to fix it. But there's a friend of mine who still has a repair shop in Italy who does all the work and he has marvelous contacts to find spare parts. Can't so you just go on eBay? I don't know where it goes, but uh, I believe it's kind some kind of association with other repairs uh, um, in Italy. So each has his own sources, and they share and do stuff together. It's not only eBay. Okay, so you say that in um, in Italy there's a whole society who still repairs Dutch old devices. Sure. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well, you know, Italy is not known as a rich country, so people tend to hold on the stuff they have uh, instead of buying new ones. Is that so? I mean, compared to Bulgaria and all those East, um, Eastern European countries, I guess Italy is quite progressed, or am I wrong? Okay, then let's put it this way. Let's say it's something that's embedded in the culture. Mm -hmm. Try and save the most money you can on uh, everything. And uh, there's, a, there's a funny story about this, right? So... There's people going to into this shop and saying, uh, "Yeah, I want to have this, uh, you know, huge Sony Trinitron uh, 
repaired. This is okay. Um, I'll let you know the price uh, and then you can tell me whether you want to repair it or not. And when he tells, uh, when he tells them the price, uh, they typically answer, yeah, really? So much? But, you know, with just a 50 euro more, I go to the supermarket and buy myself uh, the, the super mega um, flat TV, which is, I don't know, 30 inch wide. Yes, but you are throwing away one of the best monitors ever that's nowadays for the same functionality worth a lot more from what you of what you're buying to buy something that's gonna last two years and then you will have to buy a new one. You sure you wanna do that? There's some customers who say, mm, well, come to think of it, you're right. And there's customers who say, Hey, I don't care, thanks, I'm not interested. Uh, mm. Okay. It's funny, but it's just how people is. Mm-hmm. And um well, I mean, I, I know from my experience, I got this broken telephone CRT TV, big one from 95 from my family, and it was broken. And I only found one TV repair shop here in Mannheim in my city that would still do it. And um, a business established in 1977, and, um, and, and they, they still do that, and... I remember he was he was coming here looking at the problem, you know it has some um, well some how how you would say um, tra- trapeze deformation and he would say oh that's an easy fix I can do it in two days and then after four days he was um, calling me saying he barely made it and it it did cost me two hundred fifty five euros which I thought was quite a lot, but considering you barely can get the parts, they had to t- get another TV to repair mine. And um, Because so. parts. I didn't find or see in uh, Germany any repair shop either. That's pretty much true, yes. I guess, again, it's a thing of culture. But, you know, when, when you ask people to uh, repair a TV for 100 euro, 150, they say, no, 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 sorry, no, that's too much, at least in Italy. <laughs> because, you know, 150 is the price you get at the supermarket, but that's Chinese stuff. That's not comparable, you know, but people doesn't care because people only cares about price. Hmm. I see. At least, as I said, culture thing. Ah. Well, I, I try to keep my stuff and keep it working as, as long as possible. So, um, going back to arcades. So, you said you visited the arcades um, when you were a kid and you started looking around and finally got your own ones. But um, going into arcade repair, how did you learn all that stuff? Is it all self-taught or was it because of your electronic uh, hardware design studies? And um, I, I, I'm, I'm not just not sure how you can um, arcade repair as a hobby. This sounds like a real, real crazy adventure. Oh, yes, it is an adventure. Definitely it is an adventure. Um, I guess that's the challenge that's in it that makes it fun. And for how it started, how I got the knowledge... 
Well, of course, due to my background studies, um, just opening a schematic uh, that's like reading your own language. You do it from so much time that you get immediately what the circuit is doing and maybe you have to look a little closer, but uh, you understand how the electronics is working together. Whereas I have seen a lot of people on the forums uh, that just go blindly after instructions like, uh, yeah, replace all capacitors or um, yeah, of course, it's going to be adjust the voltage or yeah, blah, this, blah, that, or do the reflow. Because they have seen that a lot of uh, arcade boards are repaired by fellow forum members. Uh, they said, oh, I fixed it uh, by changing the capacitors. Yeah, sure, capacitors do go bad very often. But if it's not one of these very common things, then people's not able to fix the board. And that's, that's where the challenge begins, because of course, uh, replacing the capacitors, it's kind of one of the first things you check, are they bad or not, and if yes, replace them. But then you have to delve deep into the circuitry, and most of the times there is no schematic diagram. So, so you how see, do you, it's, it's how do you do it? Itself. So how do you do it if you have no schematics? <laughs> That's very hard. That's extremely hard. I remember um, one of the first boards I repaired was a Psychic Five from Jalago. And uh, basically, it had uh, a broken uh, sprite list RAM, if that tells you anything. So it's a RAM where the CPU stores data about the sprites, you know, position, size, uh, color, and the hardware goes there, fetches the information. And so some of the sprites were appearing, some not. So it would suggest the problem was somewhere else. I needed to figure the circuitry, what it did, how it did it, in order to find the component. And all you have is, you know, looking at the board and maybe tracing some of the traces and look where they go. And then the rest is experience you have to have on yourself in saying, okay, this circuitry more or less should work like this. How would I design it? <laughs> that, okay. That's the very fun part, you know, because you have to understand somebody else's work without having any reference. But doesn't doesn't it mean less sprites, less enemies, more gameplay fun? <laughs> gameplay fun is not really something for me. When I had the Commodore 64 and I learned assembly language, I spent a lot more time having fun trying to add the infinite lives to the games by freezing and and messing with the memory rather than playing the game. So the, the coding part or the reverse engineering part, if you want to call it like this, because there was a lot of help back then, was actually to try and find a way to fool the program and then you have infinite lives, you play the game once, in one hour you're done, and the game doesn't have anything to tell you anymore. So it was not the fun part. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, I, I have spoken to German sellers of arcade boards before, and um, the general um, opinion I've got is that um, certain bootlegs of certain games like Capcom boards and so on, 
they told me it's a bootleg board, but I've never seen any bootleg board of this game in working order. So from what I gathered, there are some arcade games that you cannot bootleg properly. That is definitely the case. But bootlegs are somewhat easier to repair for just one reason. There are no custom components. So everything is off the shelf and you go to eBay, you go to some chip seller and you find the parts. So it's just a matter of finding where, where the fault is and then you're sure you can change the part. As with regard to um, making bootlegs very difficult to um, um, to to make them work, uh, yes, actually, uh, the the whole all of the companies back then made a lot of effort in trying to make their technology very hardly replicatable. Yes, so. Most of the times, the circuitry isn't exactly the same. There's, um, for example, a very special mention about um, the Capcom uh, CPS2. Yes, that is, is that a, was the one, exactly, yeah, yes. There's this shared RAM which the bootleggers did not use. They made something else. Uh, um, yeah, the board is kind of compatible, but just with some games and, uh, yeah. Of course, there are bootlegs, which is not worth owning. Okay, interesting. And uh, if you repair a bootleg for yourself for the fun of it, it's just very difficult to sell it back for a nice price because it's not an original. And people always doubt, uh, will it work correctly? Will it, have, uh, will it have issues? Will it last long? And of course, I'm not going to sell my own boards. Uh, it's uh, just I do buy them, repair them for the fun of it, and then they are in my collection. Interesting. So, um, so there are actually some bootlegs that are um, expansive, and the original game is even more expansive. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, for example, R-Type. Yes, yeah. I got a bootleg of R-Type, which has uh, a CPLD there in order to replicate some mess that uh, Iron did uh, on the original. But, I mean, even if you're willing to pay the price, go and find uh, an R-type board nowadays. That's just impossible. That's There's another no problem. Them, or at least I didn't see them on sale on eBay. Maybe if you go in Japan, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Um... All right. So, what was the weirdest issue you had? And um, I wonder, is there a point at at some um, sometimes where you say, "Okay, I'm done. I, this this can't be repaired," um, because you you have you have often you you have this thing, for example, in car repair or, or other stuff, that there are electronics or devices that cannot be repaired. And then suddenly there is coming somebody um, from another place and saying, oh, I'm having magic hands. I can repair everything. <laughs> no, nobody can repair everything. But at least you can try. You know, there's uh, this um, very nice thing that um, Einstein said, uh, if I'm not wrong. But I said, um, he said, basically, there are things which are actually impossible. Until comes someone who doesn't know and simply does it. 
So I remember uh, I remember a board though. Um, uh, there's this. Uh, what was that? Bosconian, Namco. Oh yes, which was known for being one of the first games having digital samples. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I am not sure. I can tell you, Pac-Man has samples, and I'm not sure which one came 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 first. I've read about it that they were a bit earlier. Um, well, okay. well, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know for sure. So, okay, so tell me about it. What was so strange about it? So basically, I buy this um, uh, this Bosconian board off eBay for actually from. Um, one of the members of one of these, um, you know, Verein, how they call in Germany, associations of gamers who have their own board and they share, do stuff. And, um, yeah, well, it basically he realized what the problem was and so he tried to sell it. I bought it and it and it seems to be in working order condition. I plug it in and it actually works. But um, it has this very funny issue that sometimes the ship went to the right on its own without you pushing the joystick and I figured out uh, yeah the problem is in a custom chip because it's an original board it's in a custom chip so I cannot fix it but okay actually I could try and find uh, the spare part but um, it was not available but here comes the thing about the challenge, you know. You know the board is there, it's taking its place. So what you do is, you know, I am the human, you are the hardware. So it doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm gonna win. So I came up with this idea. Okay, um, yeah, actually that microcontroller has been dumped now, thanks to the main team. So why do I not write uh, some uh, emulation code for some, I don't know, um, Atmel microprocessor and actually dump the dump the code in there and make it run and just replace the part with something new? There's uh, this friend of mine who also repairs arcade boards uh, on a daily basis. He's better than I than I am. Um, it's the same one I told you in Italy who repairs uh, TV and monitors. Is it? No. You just cannot do that. It's too much of an effort. No, no, don't. But it's the fun of it, you know? It's just <laughs> the fun of it. The next time I visited him, uh, he had bought the microcontroller for me, and he pushed it into my hand and said, use this. Do not waste your blood on that thing okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there are boards which you just cannot repair um for example there are boards uh, whose um circuitry is so much convoluted uh, that just studying it to understand how it works would take weeks and after you've tried the the several aces you have in your um in here how's it called in english uh, um after you tried all you know 
you say, okay, I would have to reverse engineer more or less this part of the circuitry. That's too much time. I'll go on another board. But um, yes, of course, there are stuff I cannot repair. Hmm. Problem is, they are there in the shelf looking at me and say, I won. <laughs> and every time you pass by, you know, it's it's like when you know that there's a, a, um, a small damage on your car. Nobody notices, but you know, so you cannot unsee it anymore. <laughs> so it looks at you and said, mm, sooner or later I will have to fix you or try again, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I know I've I've read recently a few years ago there was this story that, that somebody bought a used Seagas at Saturn and he found out the CD drive was broken and then he got then he went to Japan and got another uh, Sega Saturn and that was also broken so after 20, over 20 years he figured out um how to how to work around the copy protection of Sega CD. Video. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was totally brilliant. He finally cracked the console that nobody cared the cracking before. Yeah, that's the question. Is it because nobody cared or because the knowledge is lost as in TV repair? Or what? what is the problem sometimes? Um, I mean, I mean, when when I talk to people, you know, like um, I I know you know I I do this disc magazine for the Commodore sixty four, and we had this problem that we had uh, eighteen years ago when we first released the issue. We had a printing function in it, and at some point it broke. And coders told me nobody knows anymore how to program for a needle printer. So um, I I don't know. What's your opinion? Or do you say it's not a problem at all? There will always be a younger generation who is interested backwards and will relearn this stuff. I don't know. What's your opinion? My opinion is that there are a lot of people who just are not interested in old technology anymore. And uh, the same occurred when we were kids. And I was not interested in uh, thermoionic tubes. I mean... Mm, Am I going to meet them again? No, probably not. So I still do not know how a thermoionic tube works. I, of course, have read about it. Uh, I know that they work more or less like a MOSFET, but I wouldn't be able to calibrate a circuit and create something that uses those things. And um, for the video of the um, person about uh, the Sega Saturn, as he himself pointed out, yeah, well, there's ModChip. Why should one invest time in reverse engineering a platform when the modship already allows piracy and it allows homebrew software and it allows basically to take control of the platform? There is no interest in putting a fort in there, which might lead to long time of work. And so people just say, assume, well, we don't care. For me, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit different in this regard because when I see something that uh, tickles me in the sense of a challenge, uh, then I cannot resist it. But, you know, if I would offer a arcade board repair service at my conditions, I mean, 
I will fix it no matter what, unless a lightning comes and strikes the board, or most of the stuff is broken anyway, then the price of the repair would definitely not be acceptable. Because or you would go bankrupt. <laughs> or I would go bankrupt, which definitely would be the case. I would not offer this service professionally. <laughs> also because, as basically everyone has learned uh, over his childhood, the moment you make your hobby, your work, it's not fun anymore. You have to do it even if you don't want to, and uh, that ruins completely what you have to do. Hmm. Well, reminds me a bit of e-gamers. Or, you know, who, who, who make gaming for a living or so. Uh, you know, <sighs> 12 hours of training in a computer game. I'm not sure if I would like still to play computer games. <laughs> If you have to play it to earn your money to win the to win the FIFA soccer or uh, Counter Strike challenge that you have next week, yeah, I I see the problem there. Um, but um, I see personally because I have two left hands, I I cannot really repair stuff. That there's basically a problem of finding people. Who, who still have the knowledge of making the repair and are not scared of certain stuff like CRTs, high voltage, and all that stuff. Um, I, I basically see that problem. Um, for example, I have a, a Pratbin board, a Commodore 64 board, that um, I always connected uh, through uh, the 1084 monitor, no problem. But since since I got this telephone TV, I'm using composite because it cannot handle Chroma Luma. And, and interestingly, this Commodore 64 has the problem that sometimes when it switches on, it only has black and white, but only with composite. Not if I hook it up to the monitor, then I have color. And um, I have this diagnose board, you know, this um, you can connect the cartridge and all this uh, looping wires, and then you could run a test, and it would say uh, uh, sometimes that color RAM is broken. So I send it in to a guy for repair to, together with seven other Commodore 64, and he replaced the color RAM and still has the problem. Of course so, it does. Why? Because the color RAM only selects the attribute for um, the characters that are on the screen and does not really introduce the color in itself. So um, why, why, does, using... why does the test program say then that the color RAM is broken? That's, that's interesting. It might have been broken, but your problem lies uh, anyway um, somewhere else. I would suggest you check the Quartz Crystal of the Vic because uh, it seems like your monitor cannot uh, lock to the chroma bars that it's embedded in the, the composite signal. From just what you told me, just an idea. You I'm mean the, saying the, this the, is the, the, VIC, the VIC IC I have to replace? No, not the VIC IC, um, but um, the VIC IC has its two outputs, a chroma and luma. Okay. Because yes, it only works inside the... Uh, with luma, chroma does not ever know about how RG, what RGB is. And there's a circuitry after the VIC that mixes the two signals. Okay. 
and the probably the the problem is there or you have your rf modulator which is broken since it gets this two signal and in some models it does a mixing inside it might be broken uh. you might try and disorder the rf modulator and it might work the week is good because of course your um lumar chroma works so the wiki is outputting the chroma information. It's just being mixed wrongly to the composite signal. It's something you might want to try. Well, should I send it to you? Do you want to try? <laughs> you would be the second guy trying. <laughs> it's actually sad because it's one of two boards that I have where, where every I see is socketed. So I really would like to get it working, you know. Because most Commodore 64, you have to um, you have to rip or desolder this ICs if you want to replace something, and this one is totally socked. So that's kind of um, sad. But I don't know. Maybe you are coming again to the formulas only. <laughs> that's a possibility. But uh, you know the. Yeah, of course, you need the proper tools to generate enough heat so that you can actually dissolder the RF modulator. That's true. But um, as I said, it's just an opinion based on what you told me. If I can actually see the machine, I can do something. Well, I don't know. Whatever. We're, probably... we, we're not here to talk about the Commodore 64, I guess. So yeah, yeah, sure. Let's okay. not we, we got sidetracked. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. All righty. Um, well, basically, I wonder, um, you probably get a lot of requests, as you said, you do it for friends and so on. I don't want to put something else on your workload. <laughs> so. No, 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 that, that is no workload. Uh, I mean, uh, I do them when I have time. Then okay. I'm not you ultra busy doing my design work. And uh, so if you give something to me and say, please, please, please repair it to pretty, please put sugar on top. You still have to wait months until I have time to actually take the challenge and open the device, you know. Yeah. Either itself has gave me a couple boards, uh, which are still sitting there since four months already, I guess. So, yeah, that's, that takes a lot of time with me. I see. Because I said, it's a fun thing uh, and it's a challenge uh, and uh, <laughs> that's a fun part of it. It's not very fair. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um... Whenever I spoke to people who do repair this, they the same. You, you, you said you get so many requests and you have such a huge pile of um, devices to repair. Right. True. I said, I have a huge pile to repair. You don't want to add another one because you get in the end of the queue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about arcade repair. Um, I, I've only heard about it, but I, I think I think there is something like suicidal batteries, especially for the Sega 16 arcade boards that leak and destroy important um, EEPROMs. I'm not sure if I if I recollect that correctly, but that is what I read on the internet about it. I have uh, informed myself a lot about uh, the problem because I also happen to have um, a suicided uh, board to repair. And yes, of course, this is a, a protection measure that um, the companies added to protect their own assets. So most of the time, this is done by 
implementing uh, a memory that holds some uh, data. And this memory is a random access memory, just the standard one. You unplug the power, the memory gets erased. And um, these kind of memories uh, tend to hold the decryption keys uh, or um, actually in the old boards, you know, with this Z80 and stuff, typically they hold uh, some translation uh, book where the, um, the processor, when it needs to load an instruction, the instruction first goes to the, this translation book, which means the, if the translation book is gone, then the processor does not have instructions to execute and the board will crash right away. So if the, your battery is dead, then you have to, you would have had to send the board back in for repair, which means they can assure you didn't make any modification like um, swapping the game with another one because they wanted to gain money by selling you another identical board just with a different game. And second, uh, they wanted to make money out of the battery replacement service. Funny, um, funny thing about it. Okay, funny thing about it. I actually happened uh, to have a bootleg, to buy a bootleg of um, Wonder Boy 2 um, Monster Lab. It's a bootleg. And of course, the original has its own uh, um, encrypted microprocessor, which has this just uh, this um, kind of inscription uh, team in the CPU. So it's a custom part. You cannot just replace it with some off-the-shelf thing without having to decode all the encrypted stuff that it's in the program ROM, which very little people can do because some of the bytes are encrypted, some not, some not, and you need a professional to tell them apart. Um, the bootleggers made a copy of the board and they replaced the processor with their own box containing a Z80 and the RAM and the battery. So they protected their own bootleg. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it was a lot of fun because of course the battery was dead. So I had to replace the ROM set and, and put just a standard Z8 in there. And uh, thanks to MAME, I have found that there was uh, a ROM set uh, which was original from SEGA, from this uh, virtual console stuff, which you could just drop into the board and it would work. Even, and if, even though it's a bootleg? Yes, because the hardware is completely compatible. Okay. Okay, because the bootleggers didn't want to patch the code to just fix some mistake in the board, and they just did it right the first time around, so it was fully compatible. Only, I have been unlucky in following the, the Abram names that MAME listed in the, in the source code, and happened to swap two of the graphic ROMs. That created all sorts of mess on the screen, and I was petrified because that looked something like a repair that was going to take a huge amount of time. I actually started digging into the circuit and wasn't able to understand why 
it was displaying all colors wrong and some things were missing. Until when searching again, I found someone, somebody on the, on the internet that um, had just figured the same issue and said, yeah, I had to swap these two ROMs. God, I spent almost two weeks on this thing. And the board worked after swapping the ROMs. You know, sometimes you have to get lucky. You cannot just always reverse engineer the old board to, to fix it. As you said, those ROMs who lost um, their contents when the suicidal battery went bad, um, I think, isn't it so that there are some um, efforts that, that, that have been made to de-encrypt and replace and re-create um, those uh, circuits? Because I think I've read something about MAME that they actually successfully um, had some cases where they simply recreated or got a board where this battery wasn't dead. So, um, yeah, about this uh, problem of suicidal battery. For some boards, you are lucky enough that some versions came out of the factory without the encrypted part, probably ah. because they were already working on it. Ah, okay. So you actually happen to be able to get some boards on which you can just take the ROM set and put it on the other board, replace the ZED, and you're done. Okay. And you find them listed in MAME as, as um, unencrypted. So it's original, but it's unencrypted. Okay, interesting. That's very rare. On the other side, what people does, or at least what people did back in the days... I'm not sure. I do not. I was not able to find enough information. I know what people does today. Today they just actually decap the chip, the chip. So just remove the epoxy and get access to the silicon that's inside. They made photographs, and uh, in some cases they are I, they are able to extract that small piece of code or data that's inside the CPU or inside the, the whatever chip and make it available so that the, the inner workings of the encryption can be understood and by defeated. Um, as for um, RAM contents which are baked up by a battery, I suppose, but I do, know for, do not know for sure, that um, they actually... Um, pulled off some very annoying hardware to dump the contents of the RAM while the battery was already uh, was still good. So they were able to actually extract the contents with the chip, the cap, to imagine having nanoprobes on the, on the silicon. That's really a mess. That's very annoying. And uh, they managed to do it. That's some magic. Decapping chips is not my stuff. I wouldn't be able to design silicon. But there's companies that do that. So I guess that's thanks to MAME being a very multicultural and multi-experienced uh, uh, community that we have this marvelous tool. Because MAME also helps you quite a lot in your repair effort. Because you get all the data you possibly can, 
from the source code, which you wouldn't be able to if you didn't have this resource available. But there are some games nowadays that are um, said to be lost forever, or at least being um, incomplete because of data that cannot be restructured anymore. I mean, um, the last time I looked at Mame, it was a while ago, but I think there are some games that have missing sounds, missing graphics, and... Um, I mean, interestingly, for the um, ma majority of people in the world, MAME is about gaming, but actually MAME is about preserving. Um, yes. So so are you also involved in the preserving part? Um, or do you leave that part for, for uh, to other people? Um, since I do use MAME a lot in my repair efforts, I do contribute whatever I can, although I do not contribute code because it would look ugly. Um, I do contribute, I don't know, ROM dumps. Um, I do contribute whatever I find out about information about the board, you know, the, even if not just the photo of the board, so that maybe this information could be useful to somebody else in the community, which is maybe experienced with uh, cracking uh, encryption, or maybe which is experienced in, uh, you know, decapping devices, because that is also possible. And the good thing is, all you put in the community, it comes back to you, because, for example, if you have to see a problem which you cannot find on, on how the CPU is booting, and that happened to me on a Ghost and Goblin board, I was not able to tell why the CPU was crashing. And uh, I was able to actually see what the code was doing because MAME has an integrated, very rich debugger with which you can just run the software, breakpoint it, and see whatever it's doing. <laughs> and uh, yes, the main purpose of MAME is preserving the games. As um, Nicola Zamoria um, used to say, it has the side effect of letting you play the game, but that's a secondary purpose. <laughs> of course, people use it to play it, but if you are in the repair um, of um, arcade boards, then you absolutely need a resource like that. Hmm. I wonder... Um... Wouldn't it be easier to ask the original creators of the games, of the boards, how things were done? I know that in the Commodore 64 community, there were some copy protections that nobody um, were able to remaster. So, so if, you, if your original is broken and you want to remaster it on another diskette, you were unlucky. Um, and, and in such cases, there were some coders um, from back in the day that actually said, okay, um, the company I've worked for is bankrupt since 20 years anyway. Here's the source code of the copy protection that we used on our games. So happy, um, be happy, and um, now you know how it works, and now you know how, to, how you can recreate it. But I've never heard of such stories in the arcade um, community. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how rare it is, or if that is even possible. 
to get the creators supporting, preserving or repairing their boards they developed 30 years ago? So, with regard to the Commodore 64, that actually goes to the highest levels possible because I remember there was this interview with Robert Yannis, you know, the person who designed the SID chip, which helped a lot figure out how the SID chip does its things internally, and it was so tremendously useful to um, keep developing the library everybody knows, which is implemented in Vice and a lot of other uh, stuff that plays seed chip tunes so well, it's actually undistinguishable if they're real or if it's a real hardware or not. On the arcade series stuff, there's actually a lot that has been done. Um, there's, for example, a lot of game creators who just gave permission uh, for the community to freely use the game. So, you know, like the company is bankrupt, the property of the copyright on the game returned back to me. I am just not doing games anymore. Nobody's selling this hardware anymore. I'm not ever going to take this money. So please, here, use it uh, and, and have fun. And these ROMs you can find on Mains uh, download, uh, um, on Mains website for download. With uh, the expressed, of course, um, statement that you cannot release or sell or sell them, but you have to point people to let them download from their website. There's also a Spanish company that's called Gaelco, who helped a lot in uh, providing, uh, for example, uh, um, information or actually even the source code. I'm not sure about how the protection of uh, World Rally, um, which is a game of theirs, worked. And that's why today there is a tool that allows you to put back the encryption key or whatever data is in the CPU to a serial connection or just revive their boards. So yes, the, um, there is a lot of kind people in the business, but probably um, that's unlikely to get this kind of uh, information from Japanese because, you know, they are the people who got hurt in the first place. So when you go and ask for something, they're typically, ah, um, um, I don't know, we don't know, uh, the people, the person who did this is dead, um, don't ask or they even don't answer the phone or email. So I remember once I tried the, just for fun to, to trace back um, the property, the intellectual property owner of uh, an arcade uh, game from Atari. Atari has been acquired by Namco. It's very difficult to find if you don't follow all the breadcrumbs that are on the internet, partly on Wikipedia, partly on other sites. So I contacted Namco and, uh, you know, bureaucracy. I was put in a loop of contact this, contact that, uh, all while trying to speak a little bit of Japanese uh, from Google Translate and mixing it with English uh, to try and make myself understood. Never got any information about it. And you know, it's about copyright on a game. They should answer. But um, they don't want to. I have this, at least they don't want, I have this impression. Okay. 
Interesting, interesting. Um, so, what's what's your plan? What do you want to what, what do you want to do next? Do you have any plans ahead that you can talk about, um, or are you just happy with what you what you have reached in the arcade era and um, how you repaired your boards and the boards of your friends for fun? I do have. Um gathered over the years a collection of almost 80 games which uh, I carefully selected because you know there's this problem there are too many games if you just pick any random board that's oh that was fun on on eBay that's gonna cost you a fortune so I constrained myself to a list and I only buy these games no matter what because um, stuff and uh, I fixed sixty uh, percent of them. I will keep doing this, and uh, once I'm done, the thing I want to do is uh, buy myself a cabinet with a vertically oriented monitor, so I can have two of them: one for you know horizontal games, and one for verticals, without having to rotate the monitor every time, and uh, just have fun at home. Maybe I will get a new challenge, or maybe I will buy more boards. I do not know now. Okay, okay. Um, so, is there any place where people can find out about what you are doing, or are you not really putting it um, what you do on the internet for everybody to read? I only put a very small portion of it on the internet because you know that's just like uh, any person afford, um, um, uh, confronting himself with a challenge you have countless fails <laughs> which you don't want to show okay but or repairs which took you 3 months uh, for something that was so easy that no need to share it right but um, um i go by uh, the nickname of asayuki on uh, on this um Arcade Otago Forum, and uh, I have several repairs there in the wiki, if you're curious. Uh, among these, uh, there are some repairs of which I told you about in this evening, so you can have a look if you want to just have some fun. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, Send me the links. I will definitely put them in the podcast description when we release that. Sure, we'll do so. Well, thanks a lot for this interview. Very nice. You I learned a lot today. Um, because um, some months ago we spoke about the Italian, uh, sorry, about the um, American side. We had Richie Knuckles who is repairing and restoring arcade cabinets in the USA. And that's a totally different deal in some aspects. So it was interesting to hear about the European side. Um, especially Italian side of um, repair, you know, because you can always compare and say, okay, it's a lot different over there in Europe. Um, all right. Okay, I wish you a very nice evening. Yeah, thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.